It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Afternoon in Vegas. It feels like hockey weather, and it's the tail end of spooky season. The Vegas Golden Knights start to the year has been scary good. And tonight they get set for a home game against the Montreal Canadiens. This is nighttime at noon. He's Derek Angland. I'm Brian McCormick. Great to have you with us on Fox Sports Las Vegas, and you can follow along on all of the Vegas Golden Knights team digital channels as well. Uh, Derek, for the Golden Knights, they get ready to take on the Canadiens tonight, a team that's having a Maybe a surprisingly good start to uh, to many uh, to their season as well, uh, but for the Golden Knights, they pick up a, a shootout win in Los Angeles after dropping their first decision of the season. They remain unbeaten in regulation uh, and rolling right along through the end of October. Yeah, it's uh, been a great start. Um, you know, especially everyone talks about the Cup hangover, but uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting uh, the Knights. Uh, they're getting timely saves. Um, you know, Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, whoever's in net or making big saves at the right time, and they're getting contributions uh, throughout their lineup. So uh, it's off to a great start. Uh, Montreal coming in tonight, uh, they definitely can't take this team lightly. They work hard. They've That's been their kind of their M.O. over the last uh, while since I was playing. So, um, you, you know, you can't take them lightly. They're going to come out strong, and, uh, you know, they're going to put their best against the Knights. We'll do a little preview for uh, tonight's game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's morning skate for Derek Englund because he's going to be on the broadcast tonight too. Uh, but we'll, we'll preview that a little bit, talk about where this team stands. We're going to hear Bruce Cassidy's morning availability later on the program. A little Silver Knights talk as well. I'm here. Might as well chat about it a little bit. They're off to a great start as well. Uh, so plenty of hockey news to cover on this Monday afternoon. You know, you mentioned for the Golden Knights the uh, the cup hangover that everyone fears. And to this point, the, the lack thereof. I feel for the Golden Knights, it not only is it a lack of a cup hangover, it really just feels like a steady continuation from last spring to October, the same style of hockey. The roles for a lot of these players stay the same. We've talked a lot about how the roster is largely the same with the exception of Riley Smith and a couple of the other perimeter pieces. It maybe shouldn't surprise us that they've picked up where they left off the way that they have. Yeah, it's um, anytime you can keep basically the entire team. You know, Riley Smith is a huge uh, – Huge loss, and not just on the ice, but uh, in the locker room. But uh, the guys that have stepped into his his spot have done a tremendous job. You know, the young guys coming up have been doing great. Uh, we haven't had our top six uh, play a game yet, so um, that's hats off to those guys coming in ready for camp. And um, you know, I, before the season even started, everyone's asking, you know, how are the Knights going to do? And I'm like, hey, you know, if they go the first month, 500 hockey, it's a uh, you know, it's an okay start. Um, they'll get going as they come because of the hangover from the cup. But they have, like you said, they haven't met, missed a beat. Uh, they, you know, just uh, seems like they went right from winning the cup and had a couple days off right back into playing. Um, so it's great to see. And, uh, you know, it's a team uh, that everyone's going to mark on their calendar when they have to play them. And by committee to this point as well, if you look at the uh, the stat sheet for the Golden Knights to this point, William Carlson, Shea Theodore, both on uh, point streaks, William Carlson with – Points in six straight, Shea Theodore points in five straight. Uh, but those two and Jack Eichel, they're at a point per game or better. No one else is. And if you look at the goal scoring list, uh, Carlson has three, uh, Theodore has three, Eichel has uh, three, uh, and uh, as does uh, Nick Watt and Jonathan Marshall. So the, the point is no one person has really had to carry the water. No one line has had to carry the water. It's, again, kind of like last year. It's systematic. Yeah, no, for sure. You talk Theo, and uh, with Petro being out for a few games, uh, you know, you're looking for him to step up and take a lot of those minutes, but uh, he's on a 
point per game pace, and I think Theodore, you know, if he can keep relatively the same, he's going to have a career year this year. Um, you know, he's getting old, not not old, but he's getting older, and uh, I think he'll, his maturity is uh, showing on the ice right now early in the season. And, um, you know, it, it's a this team wins as a group. They, you know, last year, even through the playoffs, it wasn't uh, a set line. You look at a lot of the teams that are, Doing well so far, you know. Like look at New Jersey. Hughes has you know, three points a game or yeah, something I think he's like at that. 18 now? Something like that, you know. But uh, you know, you got uh, three guys a point per game. I think there's a few guys that aren't far behind. Um, uh, you know, if one one line's getting a tough matchup, uh, another line's picking it up and right uh, top to bottom. So it's good to see, and it's you need it in the playoffs. You can't uh, you can't be a one or two line team uh, come playoff time. You need four lines, six D. Uh, and more so um, they're doing it the right way starting right from the get-go and uh, I'm excited to see how this team can do just to tie the loop because we're an informational broadcast we don't uh, do approximations horseshoes and hand grenades we give you exact stats uh, Jack Hughes is at 18 points in eight games which we're going to talk a little bit later in the program about Connor McDavid making his return usually I feel like at this point in the year Connor McDavid is already so far ahead of the pack with points that we're not having much of a heart trophy conversation uh, I don't know we should be having any heart trophy conversations in October but nonetheless Jack Hughes has made himself a, uh, a name to be reckoned with in the early weeks of the season talking about Shea Theodore and his production early on again 10 points already for Shea Theodore one of the things I notice, and when he's playing uh, well offensively, it's the mobility at the blue line. It's not stationary. It's not relying on uh, you know, point shots getting through, swinging from the tips. Look at the goal he scored against Chicago. Look at the goal he scored against Philadelphia, both in the third period, both in big moments. He takes ice. He works to the tops of the circles. He's not hanging back. He's not cautious. Not reckless either. He's, he's reading the situation. But when he takes ice, creeps down lower, that's when he's shooting the score and he's finding uh, finding results. Yeah, he's got such a he moves so well he, he skates when he's moving his feet that's when he's at his best and um he, like you said he he's he's coming in he's he's joining at the right moments but you, you never see him get caught and um he's never out of position or down low and can't get back so he's such a smart player that uh you know he knows when to jump into those spots and, and the, the guys are finding him and then you throw him the power play is clicking a little bit better than it was uh, last year and the years before, so he's going to get his points on there. So as long as they can keep that going, he's going to. I can't wait to see what uh, the end of the season comes for him. And he's tied with Evan Bouchard of the Oilers, who is uh, the leading scorer among defensemen early in this season. Three goals, ten points for Shea Theodore. When we talk about the the win in L.A. shootout, finding a way to win on the road, but also. Uh, in comeback fashion. That was a game they were trailing 2 nothing in the second period. And as we talk about depth scoring, it was the bottom six finding a way to start to, to move the puck up ice and, and find some answers. Uh, Michael Amadio getting the scoring started. Will Carrier following up. And then the power play executing later in the game. But again, just demonstrating the depth, but also the comfort level you're seeing offensively from the, the deeper portions of the lineup. We mentioned William Carlson's off to a great start, but uh, his work and, and the work of Pavel Dorofiev now getting a chance to, to make a, a mention. You know, out of camp, there was so much conversation about the Dorofiev Cotter lineup uh, vying for a spot. It was really the main story of camp, it felt like. Now that we're into the season, you get focused on some of the main characters. I don't know if that kind of drifts to the background, but but those characters have played uh, pretty big roles in this start to the season. Yeah, they have. It's like I said before, the depth is uh, is huge. You, you get uh, especially a team like LA that's, you know, I think over the last few years has uh, built their team to compete with the Knights, and uh, you know, I think that's 
going to be the team that the Knights uh, are going to be playing uh, down the stretch uh, in our division. So to set the tone early, um, you know, the top two lines, both teams have phenomenal top two lines. So it's going to come down to depth. You know, those are going to equal each other out. Uh, you hope uh, the top two lines come out a little bit ahead. But if not, you need that depth scoring. And, and like you said, Dorfiev, Cotter, those guys have stepped in and filled the Riley Smith spot that yeah. uh, that we weren't sure uh, who was going to take it, but they've been uh, playing a huge role. William Carlson, you know, he's back uh, uh, putting the points up, uh, but he his complete game so good. I, I know Bruce has said it. Uh, he's the smartest, probably one of the smartest forwards in the league uh, could play him on D. So, and that's, uh, I think, highly of Carly. Um, you know, I look at him like a Jonathan Taves uh, um maybe with a little bit more uh, point production, especially this year. As Montreal comes in tonight, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more extensively about this in the next segment, but they're a really interesting team. You look at the Atlantic Division, we expected Boston, uh, who, you know, think of the departures they've had in the offseason, Bergeron, Krejci, almost out there, oh, there's going to be a step back, and from their historical pace last season, that's not an unfair expectation no matter who they brought back. Yeah. But they're 7-0-1 to start the season, so they're off to a great start. Toronto looks good. Detroit is one of those teams we thought was on the bubble. Are they ready to take a step forward? So far, the answer is yes. I don't know how many people have Montreal in that conversation, but they're 5-2-1 through the first couple of weeks of the season. A lot of home hockey. But they're a young upstart group that I think we're trying to figure out still exactly what they're going to be. Yeah, no, they, like I said earlier, they, they work hard. They've had that uh, MO for a long time now. Uh, you go in there, especially in their building, it's a hard building to play in. Um, I always loved going there, but uh, um, they come out hard and, and they're on top of you. They got uh, some good skill there. They've built up uh, some young, good good players, and uh, they're going to compete uh, every single night. and. Uh, it's it's not going to be an easy easy game tomorrow. They're going to come out, uh, you know. Do I see them there towards the end of the year? I'm not sure. Detroit uh, looks looks for real. They got, uh, you know, two guys in the top, uh, I think, five in scoring, Larkin and and Debrinket. So yeah. um, they look for real this year. They got some good young talent too. But uh, you know, this Montreal team is going to be fun to watch all year. That includes some of the big names like Cole Caulfield. Alex Newhook was a great addition for the Canadians. And Sean Monaghan, who's uh, looking healthy, which he hasn't been yeah. much the last couple of seasons. We'll talk some about those uh, specifics as well. Throughout the program, you want to talk to us. Like I said, this broadcast is on all of the VGK digital channels. Hop into the comment section. Justin Russo's on the other side of this camera right here. He'll let us know what you're thinking, and we will uh, address it in turn. Before we take a break, though, just remind everyone that if you want to catch the next Golden Ice game and grab a bite, you should head on down to McKenzie River Pizza Grill and Pub and eat like a Golden Knight. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Fans can dine in and catch their favorite games right at the rink. Call 702-916-2999. That's 702-916-2999. Or visit McKenzieRiverPizza.com and learn more today. We'll step out when we come back. More about the VGK and the Montreal Canadiens game on the way. We'll talk a little Silver Knights hockey as well. They are off to their best start in franchise history. That's straight ahead on Nighttime at Noon. Brian McCormick, Derek Englund here with you on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Gold Knights fans, the home of the Henderson Silver Knights, the Vegas Nighthawks, and the NBA G League Ignite is the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. It's the place to be. Don't miss any of the action this season. Grab your tickets now to get more information about upcoming events, seating charts, arena policies, and much more. Visit thedollarloancenter.com, the 
dollarloancenter.com. Brian McCormick, Derek England here with you nighttime at noon. Justin Russo is behind the uh, camera giving us all kinds of hand signals so we know what to talk about. Ron Gavino on the other side of the curtain, zooming in on our faces on the digital channels, making us look pretty. Uh, and on the other side, we have uh, Ruben uh, Guerrero on the radio side, spinning the ones and twos. Everyone ready to bring great hockey information to you up until the top of the hour. And, uh, you know, as we talk about the Dollar Loan Center, I was there yesterday. The Silver Knights winners 4-2 uh, over the San Diego Gulls. They've started the season 6-2. and two, And, you know, I think for the Golden Knights organization, you want the Silver Knights to emulate the big club both in uh, on ice x's and o's but also in culture and that was one of the reasons why when they were looking for a new head coach ryan craig was the perfect choice for them and uh if you look at what the silver knights are doing the start that they're off to the start that the golden knights are off to boy do they look congruent uh to one another and for the golden knights uh they're off to a, a terrific start for the silver knights 6-2-0 that's their best october in franchise history yeah no uh, craig i grew up playing against them uh back in my moose jaw warrior days when he was the captain of brandon wheat kings and uh, played against him through the minors with him in Pittsburgh, uh, played for him here. Great guy, great coach. Uh, you know, I think uh, maybe just that fresh face uh, coaching uh, down there has brought some life to those guys, and they're off to a great start, and it's great for him. Uh, you know, come out of the gate 6-2, and two, it makes your job a little easier, uh, transitioning from an assistant coach to a head coach. But, uh, man, he's got a long career as a, uh, as a coach uh, in front of him, I think. And for the Henderson Silver Knights, one of the buzzwords that came from Ryan Craig, even as far back as his press conference at the end of June when he was introduced, it's been the American Hockey League. It's about winning and development, not or. This team, he wants to win. Uh, the organization wants to win after they finished 31st last year. That was going to be a big jump to get back into uh, winning hockey once again. But for the Henderson Silver Knights, relying on some of their offseason additions, some of the veteran presence, Adam Cracknell, who, of course, uh, Las Vegas hockey fans have known well for almost 20 years, but he's been a terrific addition for this team. Um, but it is so important to win. It's, it's not always automatic that you can flip a coin and say, oh, we're just going to win today. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. But it definitely is, is organizationally important for this team to be off to the start that they're uh, that they're having, especially when they're called upon. You want to be calling young players up to the VGK coming from a winning environment. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. Um, you know, you look, even throughout my career, I, I won in Hershey, uh, lost in the finals the next year, and signed with Pittsburgh. Uh, the, the teams are looking for guys that know how to win and want to win, and you want that with your AHL team. Guys come up, they know how to win. You don't want to just... Like you said, you don't want to just win and not develop or develop and not win. You want to combine them both and um, create uh, winning great hockey players. And, uh, you know, it goes a long way if you can um, do both. Um, you know, obviously there's ups and downs in the season, but uh, you want to try to create that winning atmosphere no matter where you're playing. And, um, you know, it's it's contagious. You know, you see the team up here winning, you want to bring it down there too, So and vice versa. So, uh, you know, to see the... Henderson Silver Knights off to a great start like this. It's great to see for their whole organization. Brendan Brisson had the game winner yesterday against the San Diego Gulls. Jesper Weichmann is now 3-0 and in net. Yuri Pateras had a good start to the season as well. And if you're watching on the uh, the digital channels and you saw your screen, you saw a goal from Alex Swetlikov, who now has goals in back-to-back -back games. His uh, AHL debut was Friday, so he's played two games. He has two goals. The reason I bring that up is, first of all, Good for you, Alex Swetlikoff. But second of all, something else has become part of uh, VGK education over the course of several seasons. Um, when you describe your team as banged up, I don't know if 
most teams would consider, most fan bases would say, oh, we're missing a guy or two, we're banged up. There's a much higher threshold for Golden Knights fans. <laughs> They're used to being without five or six guys at a time. And right now, if you look at the, the Silver Knights lineup, they have been without Gage Quinney, Tyler Benson, Dyson Mayo, Jacob Rabinitz, Jakob Demick now, all of them in day-to-day fashion, but nonetheless without all of them at, at one time. So Alex Swetlikov gets called up. At one point yesterday, Ryan Craig had a line of Daniel D'Amato, Alex Swetlikov, and Patrick Gay. That was the top line in Savannah all year last year. All of which is to say, again, from an educational perspective, and Golden Knights players and fans know this well, it's not always going to be rosy, it's not always going to be easy, and the Golden Knights wouldn't be off to the start that they're off to right now, and the win in Los Angeles is an example of this, if you also didn't have that DNA developed of sometimes you're just going to have to find a way. Yeah. <laughs> and right now we're seeing that. Yeah, no, it's huge. Uh, especially it shows the whole organization, what they've done with drafting and signing players. And you can bring a line up from, from the East Coast Hockey League team up and uh, they contribute to, you know, you said two goals in two games for them. That's a huge, huge, not just for the team, but personally it's a huge confidence boost even if you're not gonna be there you know the entire year you get sent back down it's confidence then you go back down you play even better there you help that team win and I'm sure uh, with the confidence you're going to end up back on the team full-time sooner than later so winning is contagious silver knights now head on the road they'll be in Abbotsford and Colorado this week. Uh, going back to the Golden Knights and uh, tonight what they're going to face against the Montreal Canadiens. Again, mentioned the uh, the strong start that the Canadiens are off to. Uh, and so much of their hockey, though, has been at home to this point. They've played five of their eight games uh, at Bell Center. And where I, again, say, again, terrific start. Nothing can be taken away from what they've done. You, you win the games there on your schedule. Maybe we're still discovering exactly what they are because you look at their recent wins, Shootout win over Winnipeg at home. Overtime win over Columbus at home. Uh, win over Buffalo, which has a bit of a scuffling start uh, to the season. And then wins over the Capitals, who have not gotten out of the gate well. And Chicago, which, of course, we know the, the building-up situation that they find themselves. And losses to Toronto, to Minnesota, and to New Jersey. All of which is to say they've had, I would say, a fairly advantageous schedule to start to get off on the right foot and they've done just that they've played a lot at home now they go out on the road and we see how a young team with skill with Caulfield and Monaghan and Newhook who they brought over from Colorado um, now maybe things get a little bit more tested as their schedule turns to November yeah no like you said they're off to a great start Um, you know being in Montreal you also have the media there so for them to get off to a good start at home sometimes coming on the road from those big media teams it's it's nice to get away from it and um just be able to play and not have to worry about the whole thing around uh you know prior and and after the games you, you know you just kind of get out of the spotlight a little bit uh come as like you said they got a young team so a lot of those guys it's it's, it's time to bond time to get that team togetherness in and you know i'm sure they're looking to do that on a west coast swing like this and um you know, St. Louis got him playing the, the right way. That's a good guy. Uh, a lot of respect for him playing against him. He had a long, great career, and um, he's got to play in the right way. So uh, it's definitely a game tomorrow that uh, – or tonight, sorry, uh, yeah. that you don't want to take lightly. Um, you want to come out of the gates ready to go because that first 10, they're going to come out flying. Nick Suzuki has seven points in eight games as well, and a good start for Justin Barron, young blue liner that they got from the Colorado Avalanche in a trade. Uh, he's got three goals in five games. You know, this is a, a Montreal team, too, that with – a lot of speed, a lot of skill, like to stretch the ice, like to, to kind of play play vertical, play north. 
that's a style of game as well that, I mean, it's tough to play against, but systematically the way Bruce Cassidy coaches, they make urine every inch, and that might allow for a VGK team that only plays well defensively, but also that allows them to activate their transition game and turn the tables pretty quickly. Maybe that's something that they can do using Montreal's rush against them. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, especially a young team, um, you know, I think as you mature as a player, you you know, you expect the Jack Eichels, the Connor McDavid's to use their creativity, but as a young guy, sometimes maybe you try to be too creative and turn the puck over against a, a lethal transi- transition team like the Knights. It's, it can come back to haunt you. So um, the way Bruce has them playing defensively, and it seems like they don't give up very many odd man rushes. So, um, you know, it's going to be a tough game for Montreal for a young group to, to come in, and, but it, they're going to use it as a measuring stick uh, just like every other team that comes in here now, the defending champs and off to the best start uh, uh, in history after winning the Cup. Uh, I think, like uh, everyone's mentioned it all year long, that uh, they're going to be the measuring stick all year long if they keep this play up. Do you think for a young team, I guess, in Montreal, but for any team for that matter, for six-plus years now we've talked about Vegas being a tough place to come and play, and in the early going it was presumed it was, well, there's there's a lot of distractions when you show up in Vegas and teams are scheduling their rookie parties and saying, you know, we'll just accept that this is going to be a weekend where we're going to do our best, but it might be a challenge. Now as time has gone on, of course, a team that wins the Stanley Cup, it's a tough team to play against regardless, but I feel like for the atmosphere of T-Mobile and the way that the Golden Knights play in this building, it's just a difficult place to come and win hockey games. It, it doesn't matter that it's in Vegas at all. It's a tough building and a tough team to play in their setting. Yeah, no, it's uh, – I remember talking to Christopher Stieg um, the first year he was with Calgary, and he was hurt uh, for the game that we played, and I talked to him after the game, and he said, like, uh, all the guys going out on the ice for warm-up were so pumped up, and then he seen them going back out for the game. It was almost like it was such a high – seeing the atmosphere and the fans and the music that it they almost spent it all in warm-up and it took them a while to get back going and he's like it was just amazing to see the atmosphere here and and how uh you know obviously with the the knights you can use it to their advantage but uh, i think teams are starting to get used to it so it's not a shock to the them as much but uh, for a young team with guys that maybe haven't come in and played here it, it is definitely a an eye-opener how how the whole the show inside of the hockey game goes and the music and the fans uh it's uh it's uh, it's awesome to see for for hockey in general oh it'll be a fun one tonight and a full press box as well as the golden knights look to improve to 901 they have a 944 points percentage through nine games as it is the best start for a uh, defending cup champion uh, best start to a season in NHL history. We'll see if they can keep that going. Before we hop to break, uh, we do have uh, Bruce Cassidy's morning skate audio. Next segment, we're going to roll to that. We'll talk some NHL news roundly as well. And one that I just want to squeeze in here at the end of this segment, uh, Joe Thornton, it's been, I think, presumed he's been done now for about a, a year. But uh, And I, I say that with uh, a smirk because... Joe Thornton said it himself. He's officially announced his retirement, and he did it in Joe Thornton fashion with a, a selfie video where he basically says, well, I guess I have to spell this out for all of you. I'm retired. Um, but just w- one of the great hockey careers in, in NHL history, and uh, I think one of the best things about it is is that not only does he go out as a surefire Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer, you also get the sense, like, I, I don't think uh, Joe Thornton's going to quietly go away. I think he's still going to be very much in the hockey sphere. Yeah, no, he's one of the best playmakers to ever play, so... Um, great career by him, but uh, yeah, he's definitely 
pretty sure in rookie camp I seen him uh, out here hanging out in the stands with San Jose. So I'm sure he's going to be right uh, involved. It's it's tough to get out of hockey when you've been in it your whole life, and uh, that's the great thing about uh, you know having good long careers and and being able to go right in hockey. You have something to look forward to, and um, you, you still got to enjoy yourself, go golf when you can. But uh, just being around the hockey, it's it's tough to let go. He's far from the only example in the National Hockey League. Of course, there's there's a handful of world-class players in the lineup every night. But as a defenseman who faced Joe Thornton as as regularly as you did in your career, he had to be one of those players, one of the best passers in NHL history. There had to have been times where he would thread one through and you'd be like, all right, I thought I had that lane closed up pretty tight. What was it like playing against him? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's, he tried to play him physical. I remember I had to fight uh, Ryan Clough because I ran him, ran him <laughs> once uh, in San Jose early in my career. But, uh, y- y- you know, it's, there's there's so many guys but he like he he did it for so long what 20 20 plus years uh doing it and it, you know it didn't matter if it was early in his career or at the end he could make those passes and it's you try to take as much as you away as you can and and just hope for the best at times you know because he's going to he's going to pick you apart the, if you give him time and space uh because he was that good with it he was the first overall pick in 1997, made his debut in 1997 for the Boston Bruins and his final game in 2022 with the Florida Panthers. So a long career, uh, an entertaining career. Great and, beard, uh, too. A great, great, a great beard. beard, which, again, that was that was a latter phase of his career. Yeah. To, he evolved into the beard, so uh, he is a brand. Uh, and all the best to Joe Thornton in retirement. You mentioned you tried to play him physical, too, a guy who had that kind of, uh, of finesse touch, and he was 6'4", 220. That's not exactly yeah. an easy assignment. Not at but all. Hats off to Joe Thornton on a great career. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will turn our attention back to tonight and the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens and hear what Bruce Cassidy had to say after this morning's morning skate. That is straight ahead on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brian McCormick and Derek Englund here with you on night. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Golden Knights fans, the spectacular Hotel Californian in Santa Barbara, California, is a crown jewel in the Foley Entertainment Group. Located right by the ocean, experience oceanside views in one of 121 luxury guest rooms and suites. Taste the region's finest wine at the Society State and Mason Tasting Room and treat yourself to an unparalleled massage at Majorelle, all in the heart of the American Riviera. Designed for domestic and international guests alike, Hotel Californian is the perfect destination for any traveler seeking a one-of-a-kind luxury experience. Visit HotelCalifornian.com. That's HotelCalifornian.com today and book your next stay. Brian McCormick, Derek Anglin here with you on nighttime at noon on a Monday afternoon, ready to round out October. And the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens tonight at the Fortress uh, to help get ready for that as we continue getting ready for that. Better to hear from a greater expert than I. Uh, Derek's a pretty good expert, but even so, someone who's got boots on the ground, that is head coach Bruce Cassidy, who met with the media this morning after the morning skate for the Golden Knights. Here's what he had to say about this evening's contest with the Canadians. Well, they're finding ways to win. Uh, the other night against Winnipeg, they got timely saves and you know, I think offensively they're, they'll create if you give them space off the rush. They got some D that are young with good legs that'll push the pace if you're not over top of people. So, um, if we if the game gets wide open, I think that's when they were, they were the most dangerous. We saw them last year and have the ability to certainly finish off the rush. So we got to make sure we're checking well between the blues. Um, take that part of the game away. In addition, when you play 
It's a little bit of everything, Ashley. We're trying to we're trying to find the right guy for the spot, and we've got three to choose from. The problem with Huddy in that mix is he's a left shot, and now someone has to go to the right. And we tried that as well, so we're still kind of experimenting. Um, Heidi's better to go in for an injured guy on the left. It happened to be Whitey and Petro, so now it becomes those two. And we're just kind of, until someone grabs the spot, we'll, we'll keep looking at both. Um, it's as simple as that. So I wouldn't say it's matchup based. It does factor into it, but not a lot. It's more who's going the best. Who do we see building their game every night um, and make a call. <clears throat> Yeah, he's a little more dynamic this year in terms of uh, consistency with that part of the game. He wants to be a difference maker, it seems, especially in the ozone, ozone blue line. Um, I find he's defending better in terms of killing plays. Shea's not a physical guy out there. Naber takes care of a lot of that in that pair, but he's good at putting out fires with his stick and his feet, and he's done more of that, I think, this year as well. Uh, added responsibilities probably helped him there, knowing he's, when, especially when Petro was out. Um, but I think offensive blue line seems to have pucks finding him and he's making good decisions with it. He's finding shooting lanes, um, you know, getting pucks through Carly's goal, uh, the goal against Philly, you know what I mean? Just there seems to be a lot more of that this year where he's, like I said, that goal he scored against Florida in the finals there when he was able to shake a guy and then <clears throat> move laterally either way. I mean, he's probably the best laterally moving defenseman I've ever one of the best, you know, Makar obviously goes into that conversation, but one of the best, let's say left shot then, how's that? Moving laterally and be able to separate when there's a guy, it looks like he's closed off and they've got him and he just, like he just, he's gone. Two strides, he's, he's in the clear and either down the wall or into the middle. So I think he's, he's done that as, as well as, as I've ever seen him. We saw Huddy on the right last year. We just prefer him on the left. And listen, if it if that was the only choice, it'd be fine. We'd make it work. But we have Korzak and Pahal that are good young players too that we're trying to identify too as an organization. Where are they at in their career? Are they ready to play every night? There's a little bit that goes back to Ashley's question. We're trying to do stay in the moment, but look at the big picture too, right? Um, so there's a you know a little bit of that. But no, I mean ideally. I like Hag on the left side where, you know, and Petro, Marty, Naber and Theo has worked for us well, and then Hag and White Cloud. So who goes in for White Cloud? It just seems like a right stick's been a better fit than moving Nick to the le a right, playing him with Marty or vice versa. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but at the end of the day, that's how I, I make our decision or, or looking at it. <clears throat> Yeah, he's not, uh, hasn't recovered as um, yet to get on the ice. So not in tonight. What are we, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday? Um, I guess I would say when he's back on the ice, I'll give you an answer on when he'd best. Uh, but what, I don't even know if we had him listed as a day-to-day -day or I think so, because that's what he is. <laughs> And that was Bruce Cassidy from uh, earlier today. And, uh, you know, interesting, a lot of the conversation, Derek, revolving around earlier in the show, we talked about the 
interesting factor of the preseason competition for roster spots between Cotter and Dorofiev, and Max Comtois was in that mix too. Brendan Brisson had a good camp. We talked about the upfront part of that. What we didn't talk about was the backside of that, where we knew Ben Hutton was going to factor in in that that seven defenseman situation, but how were Korzak and Pahal going to to figure in? And with the injury to White Cloud and the injury that Petrangelo was working through, you know, those guys have gotten rotations regularly, but you hear Bruce Cassidy talk about that. It's not about someone winning that job. First of all, you need to win it every day. But second of all, some of it, it's almost like a baseball manager looking for righty-lefty matchups. Sometimes it's based on the lineup you have around that sixth defenseman spot just as much as it is the person you're putting in it. Yeah, no, for sure. It's It's... For those two, with White Cloud being down, it's it's almost like an extended tryout, I I think, and it's good to have. You have those guys that you want to develop, and like Bruce said, they're still taking a look and seeing who's going to grab it and run run with that spot, but um, they can throw either one in any night, but uh, they... Um, it's they're both playing good they're they're, they're great you know and you have Huddy, Huddy in there it's um like Bruce said it's he's a he's a left shot d-man it's not everyone's Theodore and they can play the offside every night it, it's tough it's uh you know I I go back uh I had to play the left and I hated it uh sometimes because you know you, you factor in the I'm, my left eye was dominant so it's easier to see the ice this way on my right side where you know on the left side I'm it's it's harder to see out to the left side, so you don't see the ice quite as well if you're used to playing the one side or the other. And some of those guys, you know, obviously skill factors in. Theodore's, you know, him getting compared to Makar. That's not a guy, bad guy to get compared to right. um, out there, but he sees the ice so well. Doesn't matter what side he's on, he can do it on both. I played T.J. Brody in Calgary. He played his offside. He loved it. Um, so some guys are really good at their offside. Other guys. You know, get put there, and they'd rather play their strong side. It's I, I found it easier because you're on your forehand most of the time, and you can make the forehand pass instead of the backhand. So, uh, yeah. I, I didn't have quite the skill set that these other guys uh, do. So uh, maybe that's a little bit of a factor too. But uh, y- you know, it's it's a good thing to have the the just like we have a net right now, the friendly competition that they're pushing each other. These two young guys, Bacall and and Caden, are coming in and, and pushing each other and they're getting the best of them whoever's in the lineup and and huts you, you know exactly what you're getting from him. he's such a yeah. good professional um one of the best uh guys that i met uh, uh and he plays the role well you know what you're going to get if he misses one game or if he misses 20 he's going to come in and play the exact same way every time so you can throw him in whenever you need him you said something and i hope i don't get us too far into the weeds because maybe you meant it casually and i'm just reading too much into it but it's fascinating to me um as someone who has been involved in hockey since I was four years old at much less impressive levels than uh, than you, but nonetheless, I've never heard what you just said, which was determining playing left side or right side for a defenseman. I always took it into account as, okay, if I'm a forehand, I can get it off the wall easier. If I'm yeah. a lefty on my left side, righty on my right side. If I'm looking for D-to-D passes or even just breakout passes in general, if I'm on my strong side, I'm more open to the middle. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I've never heard anyone make mention of you said you were left eye dominant. Yeah, and you saw the ice bear from that side. I've never heard that brought up as a factor before. Maybe I'm oblivious, but I've never heard that before. And I wonder is that something that players actually have to I, figure I, out, or is it just something you know about yourself? I never knew about it either until uh, I think it was Dan Bilesma in Pittsburgh. He said uh, that's fascinating because I had to get put on that side. I played with Latang for a bit, and he wouldn't play the left side, which. He's the much more skilled player. He should have played the left side, but he hated it. So I got stuck playing it, which I'm playing with him, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, but uh, talking to Bilesma, you know, like 
he, we'd break down plays and stuff and he got into it and he, he was like yeah well you're probably left eye dominant where you see the ice better this way from your strong side instead of you don't see as well out of your right eye and I, I had no idea and I was like oh that makes sense because on my forehand I can see everything on my backhand I can only you know so it's angles and the cross yeah. ice passes and stuff like that that I never knew about until he mentioned it and so I, maybe I just put it out there and uh, made myself believe it but uh, <laughs> it makes sense if you look at it you know yeah. I forget what the thing is you close one eye or whatever and find out which yeah, eye is Yeah is it in dominant. front of you yeah. or is it to the side of your nose yeah, so, and, and I was left eye dominant he, he, and he brought that to my attention. So. I've never heard that. That's yeah. fascinating. And here you go, folks, making history. On nighttime at noon, there we've we now added a new test to the scouting combine. There we, we go. are going to know. It's going to be on the draft. You know, again, they've drafted uh, Joe Johnson. He's a left-handed shot. He's right-eye dominant. He's, this is new. Yeah. Hey. Pierre Maguire would have had a world oh, with this. Man. Uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, one last thing from Bruce's commentary that I also thought was, was really interesting. We talked a bit about Shea Theodore and his, his mobility at the blue line. And Bruce really honed in on lateral movement. And he mentioned Makar. I think Rasmus Dahlin is another guy that looks like a joystick out there yeah. when he's moving. Um, but when you just talk about the importance uh, from the blue line as a defenseman, when you have the puck on your stick, the most important thing is getting your shot through, whether it's getting it past that first layer of shot blockers or what have you. And whenever we talk about uh, gap control, I feel like it's such a north-south conversation. If you can get a stride to the left or a stride to the right, that is your opening to get shots through. And that lateral ability is, is again, A, uncommon, but B, so important. Yeah, no, Theo, and Theo's one of the best I ever played with at doing that. He, he you know, he's a left shot, so he'll take it from his offside to his backhand one step so that forward commits that way. Shuffle. And he, one step, and he's going back the other way. And he gets around, and if you watch, he's he's so good at it. Either way, going down the wall, or but he takes that one step to make him bait in. And he goes the other way, and he's he is phenomenal at it, and uh, he does create a lot of space. He's got a powerful stride, so he, he he fakes the one side and one stride, two strides, and he's around you. And there's nothing you can do. Then you hope someone behind you is uh, covering for you because he's he's uh, you know left you out at the blue line. I remember as a kid watching, and Brian Leach would do that all the time. I was like, well, why doesn't everybody do that? Because not everybody can. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Quick look around some NHL news and. Uh, Halloween questions. That's on the list. We're going to talk about Halloween. That's going to be straight ahead on Nighttime at Noon. Brian McCormick and Derek England here with you on Fox Sports Las Vegas. M. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Golden Knights fans, do you want to get the inside scoop on the Vegas Golden Knights 2023 Stanley Cup run? I bet you do. Purchase It Hurts to Win, the official inside story of the 2022-23 Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. Purchase online or at any of the team stores. It Hurts to Win. Written by members of the Vegas Golden Knights organization, including Chairman and Owner Bill Foley, President of Hockey Operations George McPhee, General Manager Kelly McCrimmon, and select players, It Hurts to Win includes on-ice accomplishments, behind-the-scenes storytelling, anecdotes, and vignettes that will be shared for the first time in these pages. It Hurts to Win, now available for purchase in-store or online. Wrapping things up on a Monday afternoon and nighttime at noon, he is Derek Anglin. I am Brian McCormick. The Vegas Golden Knights take on the Montreal Canadiens tonight. And uh, then afterwards, we'll all run home, get to bed, uh, get as much sleep as we can because tomorrow is Halloween and we need to be uh, ready. Uh, you have kids. Uh, are there any big Halloween plans? Yeah, yeah, we're going over to uh, 
one of his tennis friends' uh, house. They got a little uh, the community that we went to last year that's pretty well de- decorated, and uh, just go over there and uh, let the kids uh, trick or treat for three or four hours. Very nice. I had one of our coworkers said, "Hey Brian, do you have any uh, Halloween plans for now?" I said, "No, I'm 34," and that wasn't the right answer. <laughs> I've just I've lost the inner child, uh, and I'm reminded by that when I talk to the players uh, in the Silver Knights locker room, and again, any team you're with, generally there's a Halloween party, and uh, they take the costumes very seriously. Very rarely does anyone go out on their own. It's usually group-oriented, and yeah. there's some sort of a theme or what have you. So usually you pre- get pretty good Halloween costumes at the uh, at the team party. You were a member of several over the years. I imagine you were a part of a couple of pretty good costumes as well. Anything stand out, or are you ashamed of every, every costume you were ever uh, part of? Uh, no, uh, I had some good ones. Yeah. That's usually uh, that was my wife's uh, department. Uh, she likes to... Do the, the do whole makeup stuff, and so we were uh, one year Beetlejuice, we were Kiss another year, but she does all the makeup and stuff, so it was pretty cool. So j- just to clarify, with teammates or with your wife? Uh, me and my wife went up. That was the as, custom. That was our, our. Gotcha. Yeah, you were in so, character together. Then we went to the party. Yeah. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, no, some 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 great ones. It's always fun. Uh, once you get there, it's like uh, it's a process getting the makeup and stuff off, but it's always. Uh, nice when you put that effort in and then get a good good result out of it the best ones i did for college uh i did uh we did braveheart my dad's a bagpiper so there are kilts all over the house and you're 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 a fool if you don't make use of them so we did braveheart we did anchorman once um and then the best one i ever did and it's it's low-hanging fruit for hockey but nonetheless uh we did the hansen brothers from slapshot me and my brother and this was in college and we called the game from the booth dressed up uh the problem was is that this was a year where Halloween landed, I think, on a Thursday. Um, but everyone in college is going to celebrate it at the uh, the local establishments on the weekend. So we dressed up on a Saturday night, November 2nd, in costume. No one else thought that it would just carry through to the weekend. So we dressed up as the Hanson brothers on November 2nd and were chastised by all the uh, the local reporters who thought it was really disrespectful to, to dress up in costume in the booth. So luckily for a radio audience yeah. in western New York, we got away with it. But yeah. Uh, never again. Never again. Yeah, it's always fun, though. <laughs> Halloween, good times. Well, Lots we of candy, too. That's right. That's uh, we, You buy four or five pounds of candy for the children that come on the 31st, but the mistake you make is you buy it on October 5th, and then by the time you get to the 31st, yeah. you're going to Costco. I got but it. <laughs> my, my youngest hates peanut butter, so he doesn't eat Reese's peanut butter cups, and I love them. So I'm like, I go through his bag when he gets home, and I just put them all in the freezer so right. I can eat them. So I, I don't know how... What kid doesn't like Reese's peanut butter cups? But my kid will—he'll take a bite. I'll try to trick him. Take a bite and you spit it out. I'm like, <laughs> what? Kind of, what? Are, what's going on here? Like, that's just the service fee. You do a lot of walking too. You deserve something for it. Man, well, who doesn't like that though? He's stuck with it for years now. So, well, we hope everyone enjoys Halloween. That everyone is safe and that they uh, are enjoying it. Talking uh, about and watching the highlights of a Vegas Golden Knights win because tonight they'll take on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, as we wrap up the show, a do quick look around the uh, the NHL. We did talk about the Joe Thornton uh, retirement announcement. Connor McDavid returned uh, for the Edmonton Oilers last night in a 5-2 win over the Calgary Flames at the Heritage Classic. Um, looked pretty good by all accounts. I was a little bit betwixt and between. Do you want Connor McDavid? First of all, the Oilers have had a very, very challenging start. You want him back in the lineup as soon as you can get him regardless. And you certainly also, as a league, the NHL wants him in for the Heritage Classic. He's a guy you want to have on uh, the big stage for that. I was wondering for the Oilers, you know, it can be unpredictable, the outdoor games, whether it's 
conditions, the ice isn't the same as a traditional game. There are factors that it's not as controlled an environment as a regular NHL arena. Yeah. And I was wondering if he's coming back, do you want to test him out in that kind of an atmosphere? But they did, and it went well, and they got two points for it. Yeah, I think I think with the Sid getting hurt uh, back when was that? Oh, 2010, yeah. 2011. 10 or 11, somewhere in that yeah. ballpark. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure it was in their back of their mind because the lighting is a, is different than in, in a rink, like you said. The weather. You know, I think that's probably, that's probably why they made it uh, now and not uh, mid-January in Edmonton or up, up there where it's minus 40 and three feet of snow. You know, those conditions are a little tougher to play in. But, uh, you know, you, like you said, you definitely want him out there on the big stage. He's selling tickets. He's doing everything. He's such a great player and fun to watch. So great to see him back out there, and uh, we'll see if they can right the ship. Both teams, actually. Both yeah. teams, I I've had, had a tough start. And for the Oilers, a, a, a high-profile battle of Alberta early in the season. They get yeah. an important two points for them. Blake Wheeler, such a fixture in Winnipeg for so many years. Uh, his first game as a visitor in Winnipeg tonight with the New York Rangers. Wheeler off to a, a Rangers team that's starting very well, and Wheeler playing a different role, of course. He's not playing with a, a Mark Shifley type in New York, but off to a little bit of a slow start production-wise as well. Interesting to see what he does uh, in Winnipeg tonight. Yeah, no, he's there for a long time, so I'm sure he'll get a... A warm welcome back there uh, for all he's done for two organizations, uh, you know, one organization, but two different cities. Uh, but uh, yeah, a little different role as you get older, but uh, you want to extend extend your career. And uh, I think as you get older and more mature, you, you do whatever it takes for your team to win. And I'm sure he's doing the same, but he's got the upside that he's he can put up a lot of points if, if need be. Yeah, and that's a Ranger team that's uh, off to a 6-2 and two start. Again, some of the teams that are starting well that we did expect, the Vegas Golden Knights, so historically great start. Boston uh, winners in 7 of 8, points in all 8. You look at some of the teams that maybe we didn't anticipate getting out to the start that they did, uh, both on the, the high end, the Detroit Red Wings having a great start, but even teams like... Uh, I, They've come maybe down to earth a little bit, but we just saw the Philadelphia Flyers the other night. I think they're getting out of the gate a lot better than, than many expected. Who are some of the teams that uh, have surprised you out of these first few weeks? Like I said, Edmonton, Calgary, being off the starts they are. On the other end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Philly, little surprising, but not too surprising with Torts there. He, you know, he's going to demand a lot uh, that they play the right way. And, and uh, when they came in here, they did. They They play hard. Uh, all over the ice, and uh, so you know he's going to have them go in the right direction. Um, trying to think off the top of my head, I don't have a computer in front of me telling me everyone's uh, record right now. But, I'm a cheater uh, over here. But well, let me ask you this one: a team that we didn't think would do well, that we thought would be in that uh, that lottery conversation when the year comes to an end, as far away as that is, the San Jose Sharks and, and Golden Knights fans are happy to revel in the misery of the San Jose Sharks, but they are 0-8 and one, and I don't know if anyone would have anticipated anybody getting off to that rough of a start. Yeah, yeah, you got to think you'd squeeze one win in somewhere here or there, but um, you know they're in. Everyone knows they're in complete rebuild. Rebuild there, uh, extremely young team, so you kind of expect it. Um, a but tough spot, but really, if they get if they're one seven and one, is it any different than oh eight and one? Probably not much. So maybe they just. Uh, I'm sure they'll squeak out a win here sometime. Well, again, we look back a year ago and uh, a different sweepstakes, a Connor Bedard sweepstakes. 
a team 07 and 108 and 1, you'd, they'd be saying, hey, good job yeah. if, you, if, yeah. if you're going to lose to it thoroughly. Yeah. Okay. Well, tonight you're going to be on the broadcast as the Golden Knights take on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, what are you expecting for the TV side? Ah, similar to just good time with uh, great hosts, you know. It's uh, going to be fun. Uh, it should be a good game. It's going to be uh, one you got to come out uh, ready to go right from the drop of the puck. Well, it'll be a good one. Pre-game at 6.30 and 6 o'clock here on radio, 7 o'clock puck drop. For the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens, I'm Brian McCormick. He's Derek Anglin. This has been Nighttime at Noon. Have a great one. We'll see you tonight.